Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we talk the Browns' first win and another week of NFL and college football. But instead of going off the field tonight, we are going on the yearly trip. I'm joined tonight by who else? Phil Denko is here. Hi, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime and every time, my friend. (laughs) Phil, I'm going to start with you tonight. The idea that tongue position can contribute to health problems is not well supported by research, but nonetheless, it's edging towards the mainstream. Millions of people are heading to, you guessed it, social media posts that say that improper tongue position can contribute to health issues like dental problems, sleep apnea, headaches, neck and back pain, and more. Some even claim that changing the tongue position can make people more attractive. There are two proposed solutions to help with an allegedly poor tongue posture. The first is myofunctional therapy, a series of exercises to strengthen the tongue so that it can rest on the roof of the mouth. The second is a surgery designed to resolve what some practitioners call a tongue tie, a condition in which the tissue under the tongue, called the frenulum, is supposedly restricted. So Phil, is this legit? And if so, shouldn't we be doing 150 reps of myofunctional therapy a day to increase our attractiveness? Yeah, whether that has anything to do with our tongue or not. If there are 150 reps of anything we can do to increase our attractiveness, <laughs> we should we should move on to that. But um, is this legit? I got to say, thank God we're getting the information from social media instead of uh, you, you know any kind of peer reviewed research because I'm I'm sure that this is going to really take off and and be the, the the new thing. This is common with infants; they're born with the tongue tied, and they have the procedure where they clip the, the the tissue underneath the tongue. Did I say that right? You did. Yeah, it kind of cut right, out on hey. me a little bit, but it sounded good. Even with a okay. little stutter. Yeah, it sounded right. All right. There's a reason there's not a lot of peer reviewed research on this. It might be, and I'm going to use the word might, it might be a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but Hey, social media, let's, let's run with that. Well, you're the guy. only doctor I know. So I'm going with what you say. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we get started on our first segment? We'll start at home and we'll start with the Browns versus the Texans week two of the NFL season an important but uninspiring win by the Browns. The Browns win 31-21 over the Texans. They go to one and one on the season. They are tied for first in the AFC North. Phil, let's start on offense. Were you impressed or unimpressed by what you saw from the Browns offense today? I'm going to lean towards impressed, but I'm, I'm hesitating here because it was just a weird game. It was a clunky start on offense. We had a, a good play and in an injury to one of our leaders and Jarvis Landry after, after one catch an important uh, play in the first drive too. It was a weird clunky kind of offense early on, but you look back at it and they, when Baker went down and everyone thought he was hurt, I thought, okay, this is just one of those games. Like we got to just pound the ball and get out of here with a, a three point yeah. win. Kind of like they did against the Texans last year. I think it was, it yeah. was a, a yeah. game like that, you know, looking back at it, the Browns offense, despite those hiccups controlled the time of possession Baker threw the pick, which I would argue wasn't necessarily his fault. And then sure. went nine for nine to finish the game. I think it was like 19 for 21, very efficient, ran for a touchdown. People can say what they want about him, but his heart is definitely 
constantly out there and he wants to win. Given the scenario that was presented, I like what I saw from the offense because they start running and using their tight ends, which, all right, we can beat teams like the Texans running that kind of offense, and we should. Right. I think that's what it all comes down to. I think so much of the way you view the game today is going to depend on whether the Texans are for real. I thought the offense looked bad most of the game. Didn't have the energy they had in Kansas City. Felt like the offensive line was getting pushed around most of the game. And the running game really didn't pick up until they had that really good, really critical drive in the fourth quarter when both Hunt and Chubb just went nuts. Before that, the offense just looked a little bit dead. And it was really surprising to see because I know that you you lose Landry and of course he's an important part both of the game plan and of the emotion I think of the offense. And I looked at Baker today and I thought he played fantastic. He looked mm-hmm. to me like a guy who yeah. completely understood the offense and where to go with the ball. They just couldn't do much until that until that fourth quarter drive. So maybe what we're missing here, I mean Landry's a, a loss, but you would think a, a team like the Browns could navigate that loss right I mean it's he's a he's a very good wide receiver and a team leader but we've got all sorts of weapons on offense but maybe what we're overlooking here is that Jed Wills started the game tried to give it a go and then came out he couldn't play so all of a sudden we were on our third string offensive left tackle Blake Hens who we picked up for the playoff game last year and is still on the team who knew (laughs) we know now (laughs) (laughs) some guy named Blake he's starting at left tackle and quite honestly got into the rhythm of it and they they could at least run behind that line right yeah Uh, toward the end of the game but you know that's that's a big ask, I think. We're on our third string left tackle, and it's game two. This is supposed to be a Houston team that they're supposed to roll. They yeah. were favored by what, like 13 points or something was like it that? that 13 much? and a half? It was. was. It? it was the oh, largest huge. spread they had had since they came back in 1999. And I don't know if that's a problem with Vegas, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in the Texans yet, and it should. Or the Browns just played the level of that competition, but I'm, I'm unimpressed, but they scored 31 points, right? They made the plays that they needed to do to, to win the game. It's hard to complain about, you know, winning a game ever in the NFL so, because it's really hard, but they never looked sharp for the entire game for me on offense. That was the issue. You're right. The offensive side of the ball wasn't sharp, but still put up 31 points. So I feel like yeah. they did their job, right? However they did it, however they made it work, they did their job. If they, if they can score 31 points, I'll take the Browns chances in almost every game, except the games against Baltimore and Kansas city. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think about the loss of Landry? Sounds like it's not too bad. Sprained MCL was, I think what they announced after the game. And so he's probably out for three or four weeks and then comes back. Uh, if we're lucky, so any oh, we're Browns limit- fans, we're always lucky. So. Yeah, right. Come on, lucky. just look at our history. <laughs> we roll out of bed lucky, absolutely. <laughs> so any any injury at this stage, because they're not even going to have the MRI until tomorrow morning. They list any ligament injury; it's a sprain. That's just an injury to a ligament. It's graded then, and then the extent of the sprain could be extensive. I mean, he could miss half the season if if it's that okay. bad, or if it's if it's a mild sprain. What he has going for him is that particular ligament does heal on its own. It's usually not a, a surgical case uh, like the ACL and things like that uh, because it has some blood supply. So if it's a mild sprain, okay, yeah, three or four weeks, we might see him back out there. If it lingers and it gives him trouble, especially when changing uh, direction, cutting those kind of things, that could be a six six week kind of thing. They'll know more tomorrow because they'll see the extent of the damage. 
and immediately he starts getting, you know, treatment around the clock. So we'll see, but it's just, uh, just unfortunate. Hard to lose him, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to lose a key player in any position group on this team, isn't wide receiver the one yeah. you want it to happen in? I mean, do you feel like the guys, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Hollywood Higgins, Demetric DeFelton, do you think those guys are going to be up to the task of picking up what we lose with Landry and I, and, and Schwartz too. I forgot to add him yeah. to that list. Yeah. From a skill set. Yes. From a leadership and tone setting standpoint. No, uh, that's that you don't replace a Jarvis Landry and his toughness with the rest of our wide receiver with, I mean, think of another wide receiver in the NFL. It's hard to think of one that has that kind of approach to the game, right? That's usually the yeah. opposite. Um, Steve Smith. Does he still play? I don't think so. Steve Smith <laughs> senior retired, maybe junior. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I agree though. There's a lot of depth at wide receivers. So they get more reps in practice now. And I don't know what the timetable is, but we might be looking at, all right, no Jarvis, but OBJ's back in a week or two. Right. And all right, fine. We're back to having someone they've got to pay attention to given his experience out there as well. I think they're going to be okay. And I think part of it is, is I'm just, I become more impressed by Baker each week this season has gone on just his command of the field and knowing where to put the ball every play. And I think that's going to transfer to making the job easier for the younger wide receivers. And I think Baker also fills in some of that leadership role that you lose mm -hmm. with Landry. It's just like, it's, okay, we got to put a little bit more on the quarterback. He, he's shown that he can handle that. And so maybe that makes it a little bit easier, but I really don't think there's any other position on the team where we could stand to lose a number one guy and have people fill in. I'm not sure the depth is there at any of the other, other positions. Kicker, punter, punter just guy yeah. up, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at the D. Uh, we gave the defense a break last week because they played the most explosive offense there is in the NFL and the Chiefs, but they didn't look good today in the first half when Tyrod Taylor was playing quarterback for the Texans, and they could not close the door on a rookie really third string quarterback when you remember that Deshaun Watson is kicking around that team somewhere, but they couldn't close the door on that kid in the second half. Where is this defense right now for the Browns? I'm going to hope that what we're seeing here is just, and we mentioned this in previous weeks uh, leading up to the season, even last week, what we're dealing with here is eight brand new pieces to that defense. And it's just getting used to the way the, the guys play with each other. I, I'm going to hope that's what the bulk of this is. Now, coming into this week, though, we lost our signal caller on defense. Walker went down. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the wide receiver position, the linebacker position. All of a sudden, we're losing guys in that. We don't have the depth there. Right, you know? exactly. So we're right, kind of yeah. back to where we were last year at the linebacker position. But losing the experience that a, a, a linebacker like Walker brings is huge, too. But that said, I think we've got so much talent now. At, le at least you think we do on defense. Because even the guys that are healthy and talented, we're not getting pressure on the quarterback from the guys up front. You know, the defensive backs, they, they were doing okay. Uh, I saw some pretty good plays there. Delpit flashed today, so that was good. You know, that was yeah, a good thing. Great to so see that guy out there. Maybe this is just these guys gelling. And thank God we didn't start the season with Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. And we get to go you know, Houston, Chicago here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm concerned, man. And I think yeah. you you kind of put your finger on it with the not getting any pressure on the quarterback. It seems like the scheme is designed to rush four only, get pressure on the quarterback, and then you've got seven guys back. You can cover anybody. But somehow we're not getting any pressure with four guys rushing. And that includes Garrett and Clowney, who've been invisible, uh, at least rushing the passer. 
in the first two games. But then we're not covering people that well either. Like Denzel Ward looked out of position today. Is the problem the scheme? Because I'm with you that I don't think it can possibly be the talent at this point. I feel like the team is loaded, maybe a little thin at linebacker. The defensive line is supposed to be a strength. The secondary has got a lot of good players in it. And for whatever reason, they were playing Denzel Ward, covering guys like seven yards off the line of scrimmage. And they were just cutting in front of him and catching passes and then running. And why is that the plan? What what is the setup? And I begin to wonder if, if Joe Wood is the problem and not the talent on the defense and not even the fact that they're still new playing together. I mean, they've been practicing together since August. I'm concerned about what we see on that defense, although in the end, they did what they had to do today and they got a win. I think a lot of that plays off each other, right? You fix the pass rush and it immediately fixes the rest of the defense. You're covering guys for less time. Linebackers are flashing in front of tight ends or whatever, because there's pressure on the quarterback. And this is a defense to your point, scheme wise, that is built to not have to dial up blitzes. It's built to rush the quarterback from your front four. And the only time we got pressure on the quarterback today was when we sent Delpit on a blitz. (laughs) You know, it's like, all right, so now you're sacrificing one of those DBs. It worked, but you do that against someone that is not Tyrod Taylor or someone that is not a third string quarterback for the Texans. And they're going to carve you up. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to carve you up. They've got to do it though. Oh yeah. they do. I mean, they have to, if they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback with the front four, they've got to eventually. And why did it take until the fourth quarter to send somebody again? I don't know. And it wasn't Patrick Mahomes back there. Right. You know, and it was, it was, why are we waiting till that late in the game? I mean, the minute the guy walked out in the third quarter, you should have been dialing up those plays up because I, I agree it's his first that. game. Like, I didn't understand that at all. You you see a rookie third string quarterback out there. I would throw the normal game plan aside and say, "All right, let's blitz this guy on on the first play and see what he does." You yeah. know, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna shit himself, and then we're we're yeah. good. Like yeah. we got him, we got him rattled. Like this is <laughs> this is great. He's you gonna know, smell so. gross. He's gonna be embarrassed. <laughs> Everybody on the team is gonna know. Well, you know, typically that guy trots out in that situation and you know the first play is going to be a handoff, right? So so dial up like a run blitz. And it's one of those things like he's going to be wide-eyed and like, oh my God, the speed is too much. And they didn't do that. They just played a base defense. And the, I believe in the rookie's first possession, they drove 75 yards. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, they had the a couple good drives with him. And again, they were, they were able to stop them from doing any real damage and kept the game you know, well in hand in the second half. I don't think there was ever a point in time I was watching the game and I thought uh, the Browns were going to lose in the second half. Felt like they had it the entire time. I'm not sure I would have felt that way if Tyrod Taylor was still playing quarterback. Does this become a weird way of trying to or a weird attempt at trying to assess where the Browns are right now as a team? Because they go into Kansas City, they play this great game, but they make some silly mistakes that cost them a chance to beat, you know, the best team in football, maybe. And then they come back, play a Texans team that everybody thinks they should kick the crap out of. Tyrod Taylor tears them apart in the first half. But then you get this rookie comes in in the second half and they do just enough to win the game. So how do you even begin to assess where this team is given all of that going on? I hope in film sessions starting tomorrow and and through this week, the the defense defensive side of the ball particularly is just embarrassed. You know, all right, that is... That is not what we're trying to accomplish out there, even though we got a win. And then you, you get to dial it up against another rookie quarterback next week in Chicago. I, I think Fields is probably going to start. I think Dalton got hurt today and yeah. should start anyway. And, you know, exactly the same thing. Like, all right, 
can we get after this guy? And I don't know. We'll see how the season goes. But coming into the season, I would have put the Bears slightly ahead of the Houston Texans in terms of total team, I guess, you know. Um, Did you do Fields, a full league power ranking that you didn't tell us about? Didn't we Didn't we do that on one of the podcasts? I thought Miller took no. care of that for us. No. No. <laughs> he, just, he, no. he did not. I thought he rolled through the whole, whole depth chart of the entire NFC no. North. <laughs> Anyway, I, I feel like, all right, you've got another opportunity, right? You've got this rookie quarterback coming in with a team that the, at home, the Browns should beat. You should win. So now defense go out there and prove it. Well, what a beautiful segue uh, into next week when the Browns play the Chicago Bears at home. It looks like Dalton is at least going to miss a few weeks with a knee injury. That means that Justin Fields is going to be starting and is going to have an entire week of practice to get ready. We all picked the Browns to win this game when we did our preseason picks. Any interest in changing that pick, Danko? No. no. Go Browns. I don't think so either. I think this is a game, again, the Browns need to win and should win and should win, I think, fairly easily. Why don't we move into a surprisingly exciting Tribe Week cap? <laughs> Wait, they're still playing. They're still playing <laughs> baseball right. uniforms, uniforms and everything. And everything. <laughs> <laughs> they take two of three from the twins, then two of three from the Yankees. If this team was in the playoff hunt, this would be a really exciting yeah. week. But as it stands after the game today, they're 10 games out of the wild card with 15 to go. So there's a chance, <laughs> but it's not a real good one. What has been really good over the last several weeks is I think we have started to see young starting pitchers rolling out good, consistent, strong performances. So scale of one to five, one being a flagpole, five being the physical impact of sex education taught by a nun. How um, excited are you for a starting rotation next year of Bieber, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill, and McKenzie? I love me some baseball, so I'm going to go flagpole on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely exciting. I, I, the young pitchers that a month or so ago, we were all kind of like, oh man, silver lining. They get, they get innings now, but the team is just, there's too many injuries, too many injuries. I, I think the four wins you mentioned this week were all won by Savali, McKenzie, Quantrill, and um, who am I leaving out? Eli Morgan. Morgan. Today. Eli Morgan. Yeah. 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 He won yeah. Today. So, so the, I think four wins, it was all the four young, young guns, so to speak. So yeah, really excited. Definitely uh, leaning towards a flagpole. For sure. That's a flagpole, number one, all the way. That starting rotation, just like we kind of thought the starting rotation was going to be at the beginning of this season, that starting rotation goes into next year as maybe the best in the American League. If all those guys are healthy and stay healthy, of course. Uh, Denko, kid got a stick for the week. Well, I don't know if he qualifies as a kid, but J-Ram, Jose Ramirez hit 500, I think, this week. He had yeah. uh, uh, the, the Ramirez brothers today couldn't, they were, uh, what, I think six for six at the plate against the Yankees, I saw. They, they couldn't get yeah. anyone named Ramirez out. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> the two of them had seven RBIs today alone, but J-Ram uh, hit 500, two home runs this week, had a bunch of RBIs. If he qualifies as a kid, I don't know that he does. If it's Good just enough. one of the, yeah, He's younger than uh, us. Well, I had one of the young guys. I thought Fran Mill had a good week as well. I think he hit over 300. He yeah, he had a couple home runs. He was hitting the ball. He that's what you want out of that that guy, right? Okay. Yeah. There's going to be weeks where he hits over 300, weeks where he barely hits 200, but can you knock in RBIs, hit the ball out of the park, that kind of thing? And and he did that this week. And then after that there was a pretty steep decline. Well, actually, um I was going to go with Mercado. He hit 300 okay. this week and is a guy that man if he could hit consistently, he doesn't even have to hit 300 consistently. Mm -hmm. He could hit 275 for a season. He would really help solidify 
that outfield. You have the luxury now of putting him in left with straw and center. And that all of a sudden is a huge upgrade on defense from what we were seeing at the beginning of the year. How about a hose? Which kid had a hose this week? I I had mentioned the kids as a group with Savali McKenzie, Morgan and Quantrill. They all got a win this week. So I I think collectively they, they had a hose and that was good to see. And then class a as well. He had two appearances and I gave up no runs, maybe a hit to go back to those four starters too. I I looked the four of them combined only gave up five runs in in their four starts. Uh, That was impressive. And I think three of them came from one of the guys and that even still, he got the win and you give up three runs. You'd, You'd hope you can get a win, but that was excellent to see this week. I had McKenzie. He had only one start, but in that start, he only had one walk. And so much of the trouble that we've seen him have throughout the early and middle part of the season was rooted in control problems. So to see him have that under control is pretty good. So I, I, he was my guy. I'm excited to see him, you know, make the leap again next year and see how much more he can improve next week is double header week. They have four games against the Royals and then four games against the white Sox. the wow. double header with the Royals on Monday and a double header with the White Sox on Thursday. So a total of eight games over under on wins, Phil, three and a half. I need to call Chuck. He was the only one that got last week's right. He was, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's in charge of our gambling, yeah. <laughs> so over under three and a half in an eight game week. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say they squeeze out four somehow. I'll go over. I'm going to go under, but it's a tougher decision than I thought it would be yeah. heading into, uh, heading into this week. All right, Phil. That's it for the Tribe Recap. Why don't we take our first break, and then we'll come back and head out on the road. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. It's that time of year again, that time when so many suffer the embarrassment, sadness, and insecurity that come from busted March Madness brackets. Are you sick of settling for the middle of the pack, or even worse, living in the cellar of your bracket pool? Tired of the jokes finger-pointing, and general humiliation in front of your friends, co-workers, and sometimes even family members who have probably never watched a college basketball game, ready to get your mojo back? Then it's time for ChampionsGuaranteed.com. Here at Champions Guaranteed, we want to make your March Madness exciting and rewarding. Just sign up and submit a bracket for a small fee, and you will automatically be entered into one of our bracket pools and guaranteed to win. All our pools have brackets specially chosen by our designated loser and expert mush, Jason Gerber. Gerber has spent decades watching college basketball and has been filling out brackets since he was a teenager in pools with co-workers, friends, and even his wife and kids. Despite the overwhelming odds, Gerber has somehow found a way to never once win a tournament pool. Results from Champions Guaranteed are not luck, and you can play with the confidence that our systems have a tried-and-true method and an unbroken track record of futility. So bust out of the March Madness sadness and get ready to show everyone you know what a bracket champion looks like. When you bet against Gerber, you win. Sign up at championsguaranteed.com today. Welcome back, Phil, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road. And I love the second week of the NFL because it's where you end up with a bunch of random or maybe not so random 2-0 and teams or 0-2 teams. And you look at them and sometimes you're just shocked. Like, wait a minute, how can that team that I thought was going to be so shitty be 2-0? and 
Or how can this team I picked to win their division and go to the playoffs be <laughs> 0-2 already? What the heck is going on? Let's start with some of the 2-0 and teams. And I want you to tell me, oh, hell yeah, they're good. Or, oh, hell no, they're not that good. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are 2-0. and They've beaten the Jets and the Saints. Oh, hell no. They have McCaffrey. He's a, he's a stud, but yeah. I, I, I can't <laughs> imagine they keep this run going. Not believing in the Panthers. You don't think that no. uh, Sam Darnold should be an MVP candidate right you know, now? So I could see them having a decent season, but I don't, you know, staying on top of their division as the season uh, goes on. I, I can't imagine that happens. I, you know, maybe we're proven wrong. Maybe Darnold, I mean, Darnold played for the Jets, right? So, yep. <laughs> you know, let's, we're going to get to the Jets let's shortly. Not blame, <laughs> let's not blame everything on Sammy boy there. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I, I'm an all hell no. I don't think the Panthers are going to end up being that great and beating the jets and the saints might not be that big a deal. Next one, Denver Broncos are two and O they've beat the giants and the Jags, uh, both of whom are zero and two all hell. Yeah. They're good. Or all hell. No, they're not that good. This is a tougher one to, to go one, one way or the other on Bridgewater's their quarterback now. Right. Yep. And they, they have some decent talent at, at that's a receiver and tight end. And yeah, I mean, and a good defense and a good good defense too. I'm going to lean towards all oh, hell. Yeah. This is a better team than we think. I don't think they're a division winning team, but it, you know, this could be a, a, a nine or 10 win team in a 17 game season for sure. I'm going to go all oh, hell. No, I'm not sure. I buy Teddy Bridgewater quite yet. And they've beaten two pretty bad teams to get to two and oh, the Broncos are going to have to beat somebody good before yeah. I believe that they're a uh, hell. Yeah. Good team. Next one, the Las Vegas Raiders are 2-0. and They've beaten the Steelers and the Ravens. And is it time for us to start rethinking whether we think the AFC North is the best division in the AFC? No. That's a whole lot. There's like four questions <laughs> yeah, in there. Go I ahead. was about to say, I'm going to start with the last <laughs> question first. No, I don't think it's time for us to start rethinking that. I The Las Vegas Raiders uh, should have lost their opener. They tried to lose their opener several times uh, in, in the end of that game and in overtime. And Somehow, some way, they still came out on top. You know, I think we talked about this when we were going through the divisions. The Raiders are a good team. Uh, you know, they are. We feel right. like they're a good team, but they're in a the second toughest division in the AFC. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it says something. As much as you can judge any NFL team by a single game, which I think is really hard to do, really hard to look at a single game and say, this team is good, this team is bad. They went into Pittsburgh and won today. And I didn't think they were going to be able to do that. Or at least I didn't think that they would be able to control that game the way they did against the Steelers pretty much the entire time. It says something to me that they were able to take down the Ravens. However they did it, they won the game. That's a really good team. They beat a Steelers team that looked great last week, and they did it in a tough place to play. I'm going all hell yeah on the Raiders being a good team. Yeah, you know what? As you went through that, and we're talking about which division is the toughest. They just beat two teams in the right. division that we think right. is the toughest. Right. I'm with you now. I'm with you. I didn't see any of the Steelers game uh, against them today. Was maybe Roethlisberger is just too skinny. He, he can't. He can't take it anymore. That is not the problem. <laughs> that is not the problem. The Steelers' offense is not good. No. Right. And that was the the defense is good, mm. but the offense is bad, and they just really weren't putting up any points. You know, the Raiders controlled the game and and won it. I didn't watch a lot of it, but it's probably similar to the way the Browns were today. 
it was a little bit clunky, but they got the job done and and they won and you never really worried about them losing. NFC West has three teams that are 2 and 0. Pick one as your oh hell yeah, good team. The 49ers are 2 and 0. They beat the Lions and the Eagles. The Rams are 2 and 0. They beat the Bears and the Colts. Cardinals are 2 and 0. They beat Tennessee and Minnesota. It kind of seems like the Cardinals have the better two-game resume. Who, who did the uh, 49ers beat? They beat the Lions barely in week okay. one. Remember, they almost oh, yeah, lost yeah. that one. Yeah. And then they so beat the Eagles this week. My all-hell-yeah team is the Rams in that division. I'm going to stick with that because we're only two games into the season. and I think they are a good team. <laughs> um, but I, I think two games in, the, the, the teams you just mentioned, the Cardinals have beaten the best teams to this point. I'm surprised the Cardinals have done that. Now, again... It's one of those things like we all thought Minnesota would be a good, not great team heading into the year. And maybe instead of good, not great, they're terrible, not super terrible. I, I, you wow. know. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure whether that Skipped Minnesota right over bad, not good. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that the Cardinals beating Minnesota is that much of a resume yeah. builder. Uh, who knows? But for but for right now. Um, I think the ah, hell yeah team out of those three is the Cardinals. So those are our two and O teams. Now let's go to the O and two teams, which the Dallas Cowboys should be on this list, but they're not. Uh, the Tennessee Titans were almost on this list before they got an overtime win in Seattle, which was a pretty big win. O and two teams. Are these teams shitty or really shitty? First one, Atlanta Falcons have lost to the Eagles and to Tampa Bay. Shitty. Or really shitty? Uh, just shitty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, they've got some talent on that team. Uh, they've So they lost to an Eagles team that might be better than any of us expect, except for Chuck. He was kind of high on the Eagles, I think, and the, and the Buccaneers. You know, yeah. So that's a tough ask. I, they have some talent. They're going to win some games and I think ultimately end up with a losing record, but shitty, not really, really shitty. Boy, I think they're really shitty. <laughs> I think they're pretty bad. Go with it. Uh, although they did, they did come back and they made it close for a little bit with Tampa Bay today. So I guess you're right. I'll, I'll stick with you on this one. They're shitty, but not really, really shitty. Next one, we've already brought them up. Minnesota. They lost to the Bengals and they lost to the Cardinals today. Minnesota Vikings. Shitty or really shitty? Again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with shitty. They can turn into really shitty pretty quick. I think I, you know, I don't know. I, I thought the Vikings were going to be a hovering around 500, maybe even a couple games above 500 kind yeah, of team. This me too. Year. And, and they may, they may still obviously. So I'll keep them at shitty for now. I'm going to keep them at shitty, but it's entirely based on my affection for my former boss in Las Vegas, who is from Minneapolis and was a Minnesota Vikings diehard. And I used to go to the Minnesota bar in Vegas all the time and watch the Vikings play with him. So I, it's, it's just too hard for me to call them really shitty. We'll just call them shitty for now. The J-E-T-S Jets are 0-2. They've lost to Carolina, and they got waxed today by the Patriots. Shitty or really shitty? I think that team is really shitty. We, we know what this is like. They, they've reloaded, and they have dumped the responsibility of staying in professional football games on a rookie. And it's a really shitty team. This, it seems like the Browns of, you know, five, six years ago, kind of shitty team. Yeah. Maybe like the Browns from 99 until they hired Stefanski. <laughs> until, right? until yesterday. 
<laughs> until sometime this afternoon. <laughs> well, last year uh, was pretty good. They looked like they're in for another rough season. I think they lost their best offensive lineman last week. And so that just adds even more difficulty for a rookie quarterback. And they look like they're in trouble. I'm not sure they are 0-16 really shitty. Uh, but 17 games. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm not sure they're 0-17 really shitty, but they might be a four-win team, maybe a five-win team. They're going to be pretty shitty. All right, last one. Not even 0-2 yet. But if the Ravens, who are playing the Chiefs as we speak and the game is tied, if the Ravens lose to the Chiefs tonight, they'll be 0-2. Shitty or really shitty? Or are you just shocked that we're even talking about the Ravens in that spot right now? The Ravens are not shitty. They're certainly not really shitty, but they're not a shitty team. Uh, this is a team that uh, last week's game was was weird against the Raiders. They could have won it and probably should have. They were dealt a lot of injuries the week leading up to that game. So, you know, okay, you could see that kind of going sideways. And then right now they're tied with the Chiefs, who <laughs> yeah. a lot of us picked to win the Super Bowl. So uh, that's a that's a tough start to the season. I think this Ravens team is still very talented. They got to figure out how they win games now with with those injuries that they've sustained. Um, I think they're really shitty. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. That's a good team, but uh, I still think they're really shitty. All right, enough NFL. Let's talk a little college football. College football powerhouses were squeaking this weekend. Alabama squeaked by the 11th-ranked Florida Gators, 31-29, and probably should have lost that game. Oklahoma squeaked by Nebraska, 23-16. Clemson, which was number six going into the week, squeaked by Georgia Tech, 14-8. So, Phil, just a down week for some of these big-time programs, or is this just one of those wild college football years where we're going to see everybody at the top lose. I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those wild years. You haven't seen it yet, but the games are close and they've got yep. their hardest games ahead of them. You know, yeah. these teams that you're rattling off right now. I, I kind of feel like it might be one of those years where uh, maybe a bad year for Bama is a one loss in the regular season, you know, but I, I could see it happening this year. But you might have a, a, a team or two with two losses that are in the top five as the season ends. I almost gerbered Alabama. I didn't realize it until I was listening to the last week's show on my run this morning when I said that I didn't think Alabama would lose all season and they almost lost their next game. <laughs> People should start paying me to praise the teams that they're playing against yeah. in the You're future. You're right? Yeah. <laughs> <the> cool, yeah. <laughs> I would say probably a down week that so many of these programs had close games, but it does have that feel that it's going to be a year where we see some crazy stuff happening and maybe finally some teams that we're not used to seeing creeping into the playoffs. For instance, the number nine Ohio State Buckeyes beat Tulsa this weekend in Columbus. Tulsa ranked as nothing. They have no rank. They had no wins coming into the game. Buckeyes win 41-20, which sounds really great, but it was a lot closer than that. The problem still remains the defense. They were better against the run this week, but uh, Tulsa's quarterback, who is not a guy whose name you would know, threw for 428 yards against the Buckeyes. We're three games into this season. Last year, the defense wasn't great. This is not a fluke. This is not an off week. Is there something for the Buckeyes to figure out on defense, 
or is this just not a good defensive team? I get the sense it's not a good defensive team. Now that said, you you think there there's talent there somewhere on the depth chart. How do you roll through that and figure that out in the midst of having to win games? So I don't know. I, I feel like it's well, not. Don't a good they defense. practice in the spring and the summer to figure that out? I mean, how do they not know where where the talent is right now? Well, so I guess on, on a team like Ohio State, there probably isn't from just pure talent. They're they're probably loaded at every position on the defensive side of the ball in terms of speed and strength and you, you know running through drills and all these kind of things. And they can't get this to work out. They can't. I don't know. Is it is it the play calling? Is it the scheme like we were talking about with the Browns? Or are they running in? too many players and it's like a hockey line change it looks like sometimes when their defensive line is running on, on yeah. and off the field yeah. you know all right so no one's even getting into the rhythm of the actual game you're not getting that in practice right like that's so i don't know if that's it or not but you're right like you can't if you're giving up over 400 yards in passing to tulsa they might be okay through the big 10 winning games giving up 400 yards in passing if you make the playoffs, you're going to get destroyed. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's it reminds me of the Oregon teams. The Buckeyes would would roll over in the playoffs all those years because the Oregon team would go in there and say, all right, we could put up 600 yards of offense. We're just going to give up 550 and hope we win. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly how this team looks right now. It, it doesn't fill me with confidence that they're going to run through the even the Big Ten without a couple losses. Right. They don't seem to have a great plan for figuring it out. They did this weird thing this week where they took the defensive coordinator off the field, put him in the booth, and they took like the defensive back coach, put him on the field, and let that dude call the defense. As a way, I think, of not getting rid of this defensive coordinator, but that in and of itself just seems like, gosh, you're, now you're adding more changes into a system that isn't already that already isn't working well. Like, how do you think this is going to change things and it didn't look like it did. I don't know where you're at. I honestly don't know if we can tell from what we've seen in three games whether there is just a lack of talent on the defense or if it's a scheme thing. Because I'm with you, man. It's the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course they're loaded at every position. Yep. They've got starters three deep at every spot they need. Well, I don't know, man. Where are those guys? Because I think you we, know what? we should see those playmakers by now. Yeah. That's exactly right. What you just said there. Well, thank right. you. Let's they're, just they're, end yeah. the segment there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> sir, are correct. They have talent everywhere, but where is the game-changing playmaker on defense that the Buckeyes have had on the defensive line yeah. or at the linebacker position or in the, or ba- in the defensive DB. backfield? They've, oh, they've, of course. They've been pumping out DBs they've for had 20 years. one or more of those game-changing first round draft pick NFL caliber guys on their defense year after year after year. And I don't see it yet on this current team. There are none of those game changers. Going to be tough, man. Some good performances on offense, the running back uh, Travion Henderson broke the freshman rushing record. That's amazing. Stroud didn't look great, but he's had some nice games, but I think it's all going to come down to a defense. that seems destined to underperform and you better believe it's going to be tough running through the big 10 because Penn state, I think was ranked six in the new rankings that came out today. Wisconsin is in the top 20 and look out Michigan is 19 today and Michigan state was 20. So, I mean, those are all of a sudden those are games against teams right now, at least in the polls are moving in the right direction compared to the Buckeyes moving in the wrong direction. They better get it figured out right quick on defense or else it's it's going to be an issue for that team going forward once they hit that Big Ten schedule because I think there's some better teams 
this year than we've seen in the past, you know, four or five years in the Big Ten. All right, Phil, why don't we end on that sad Buckeyes note, take our last break of the evening. When we come back for our final segment, we go out on the trip. Nice. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. We know that watching sports on TV is great, but sometimes people close to you might not love it as much as you do. That can lead to tense moments and remote control conflict. Tired of fights about how much sports you watch, but not ready to give up your everyday habit? You need a sports clone. For less than it costs to separate community property, the Wizards at Sports Clone can send you to you. Your exact clone with only one job, watching sports. Who's that on the couch? That's my clone. Pretty sweet, right? Looks just like me. What? A clone? Yeah. He watches sports, so I have time for other stuff. Wait. He just watches sports? I know. Amazing, right? You bought yourself a clone just to watch sports? Correction. I bought this for you. Now I'm free for hiking, watching rom-coms, sunsets, you know, whatever. Okay. What else can he do? What do you mean? He watches sports. What else should he do? Well, what about the lawn and that garbage? It won't take itself out. No, no. He just watches sports for me. It's awesome. You sure that's all he can do? Hey, clone, how you doing? Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm sure. It's, it's so right here. It says right here on the box. Hey, hey, hands off. He's trying to watch Olympic speed wall climbing for me. The Kazakhstani guy is sick. Mm, I think you overpaid. Oh, that, that's impossible. Never miss another sport moment. Sports clones, just like you, but just for sports. Welcome back, Denko, for our final segment. And this week, we go out on the trip. As much as this show has always been about sports and other nonsense, it has also always been about us being friends and about our group of buddies that we've had since we were in high school. Uh, we've mentioned the yearly trip a bunch in passing, but the trip starts this week, so I thought we would talk about it in more detail. And I think it's appropriate that you and I are on the show alone tonight because <laughs> you and I are the only ones who I think have been on every trip I think uh, because um, so the yearly trip stat line first official trip was 2013. We went to Austin, Texas, but the idea really came the year before when we got together in Chicago for Tursik's bachelor party. Overall, we've been to seven different locations. We did the cold Springs in Austin. We played wiffle ball in Baltimore. We hiked the red rocks in Denver. We kayaked the Monongahela in Pittsburgh. We saw the brewers play in Milwaukee watched the Browns win with 300 of our closest friends in Nashville, experienced the greatest winning streak in sports history last year in Cherry Creek, and twice on the trip we had our entire crew of nine in attendance. Which two trips were those? The hurricane chasing us to Columbus trip was the first time we had all nine of us. Yep. And last year in Cherry Creek. Yep. Well done. And it looks like we will have, at least for part of the weekend, all nine in Hocking Hills for the trip that starts this week. So, Danko, scale of one to five, one being valuable bonding time with old friends, five being an opportunity to drink for three straight days with no responsibilities. What has a trip meant to you over the years? Wait a minute. So let's go over this. The scale of one is the, is the bonding with old friends. So that's, that's really awesome. 
and a five is drinking three days with no responsibility. Also really awesome. So from awesome to awesome, what has this, <laughs> but, the, but then the question is, what has this trip meant to me over the years? Like, yes. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, all hell yeah. All right. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's a lot like Chuck has answered some of these types of questions in the past, like where he says that it changes over time, uh, because I think there's, definitely- says, come <laughs> Thanks for getting that in. Thanks for getting that Shout out to you, Chuck. Um, I think that there have been years where we went on the trip and I needed it. There, something wasn't going right in my life. Something was causing me stress or I wasn't happy. Or there were, at the very beginning of this, I was having regular panic attacks. I was having a lot of problems with anxiety. I was in therapy and, and have been still. And those trips were something bigger than just getting together for three days to drink with no responsibilities. Yeah. And then absolutely. there are plenty of trips where everything is fucking going great. And I get to go on this trip <laughs> and, and like just being able to relax and have a good time and drink and do whatever for, you know, three or four days with you and with the other guys has been the focus of it. And so I'm going to take one and five on the scale. Do you want to work on your answer at all? It's an all hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Give me any number. It's an all hell. Yeah. And I agree with everything you just said. In fact, it was a conversation you and I were having a couple of years ago about how in any given year, especially since there's nine of us, and I think the least attended trip, there were four and we've had as many as nine and most of them, we get six or seven, seven guys, but in any given year, any number of us are in need in that moment. And whether it's actually articulated that year or leading up to that trip or not, it doesn't change the fact that that is occurring. I agree with you. I, there were plenty of years where I was in need and I, I didn't open up to you guys about it, but the trip served that like, all right, this is a catharsis. This is something that I feel like this is what I want in life. Like, this is important to me. Uh, and I'm with the, you know, the greatest guys I know. And then other years where, um, like you said, they were, I was in a good place and I was having a blast and I wouldn't take one over the other necessarily. I, I think they're both a huge important piece to me in my life and our relationships. And it's hard to really articulate how important this trip is to me, no matter where I am at psychologically or physically or wherever. It, it's amazing. To be clear, it's not like there's active therapy happening on the trip. No, <laughs> quite Nobody's, the opposite. Nobody quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. But I but think it has, make it, that bad. It, it, it has that effect because yeah. it is a it's always like a bright spot of fun that you can look forward to every fall. You know, you're going to have a good time. You know, you're going to be in this good circle. And even though you're not sitting there like belly aching about your problems or something like that, and I don't mean to put it quite like that. I'm probably going to get yeah, right. that out. Even though you're not sitting there talking through your feelings or talking through your problems, you're, you're getting like the, the cathartic effect. I think that was the word you yeah. used. And I think that's, I think that's perfect. Um, it's, it's a safe place in every way you can imagine, because it's all about like the energy we bring as a group is we've, we have so many years to draw back on and it's, there is more laughter and more, right. It's just a, it, it's hard to describe, but it, it is a truly kind of a, just a relaxing three to four days with yeah. the best people I know. I don't think in the years that we have done it in the trips that we've been on, I don't think there's ever been any drama. I don't think anybody's ever gotten upset with somebody except I do remember one time you got mad 
at somebody and we won't say his name because we'd been to like three bars in a row. I think it was Denver. Uh, we'd been to like three bars in a row and he hadn't picked up a tab. And I remember you getting pretty heated about that and thinking that was pretty funny. <laughs> but other than that one single moment, which passed very quickly, I don't think there's ever been an issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's just frustrating. And it was out of love. It was, it was, it was my, it was my attempt of like, you know what? Sometimes you got to pull up, pull up the guy that's just not performing well that day. Right. Like I got to, <laughs> yeah. we're on a Baker team Mayfield here. Type yeah. leadership. We're on yeah. a team. Like you gotta, you gotta pull that guy up, kind of right, rattle him a little bit, get him pointed in the right direction. That's all I was doing. <laughs> all right, Phil, what's your, what's your favorite trip tradition? Oh boy. Wow. Favorite trip tradition. I like, uh, there's so many, but I, I do like that we choose a host, so to speak. You know, every year there's someone who is the host and, and basically that without boring our audience, if they are still with us, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> basically it's the person that is, you know, doing the, the research ahead of time, kind of finding a location, kind of getting it, especially when we were going to cities, like getting things kind of set up, like, what are we doing? Where are we going? These kind of things. The host's job one of the nights was to pick a, a, a nice meal and then give a toast. And the host toast is kind of cool. Like it's a, like we were just describing, like somehow it's a combination of laughter and tears a lot. Like it's, it's heartfelt, but at the same time it's us. So it's still, there's some pretty funny moments in those, in those yeah. toasts. Somebody's saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck hosted last year, <laughs> but so I, I think that's a great tradition. Uh, there, there are so many, I love the, I love the golf and that's a newer tradition. I think that's fantastic. And I'm the last person that should love the golf, but I, it is, it's, it's fun for me. I, I look forward to it. Uh, I had the toast as well, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's, you're the host for basically a year. You weren't run from the prior year's trip all the way through Saturday night of the current year. And you, you do your dinner you give your toast. And then at that point we select the next year's host and they kind of take over. And so it's kind of fun to have that time to be the guy who's in charge of putting everything together. And then we all get to be there to hand it off to the next person, which is, I think a really good time. So the toast was always one of my favorites too. We have starting last year. And again, this year done cabins instead of going to cities. Do you think we go back to doing cities or are we doing cabin type trips from now on? I could see the cabin thing happening for a while. And especially if it's as well attended as, as last year and potentially this year is, then why would we deviate from that? Because that's what we've all said. Like, all right, it's, it's really the people, not the place. Part of me though, I do miss some of the city, what, what the cities would bring to the trip, you know, a different city, a city we had never been in before. There was that kind of like, Oh, this is exciting. And let's go check this place out. Honestly, the cabin trips, and, and the Columbus trip was a little that way too, but the cabin trips for sure, it's all about, you just relax. There's no agenda and you just hang out with some of your best friends. And that sounds awesome to me. I think that if we were in our mid to late twenties, early thirties, I think we'd still love doing the cities. Yeah. But I just think a cabin's so much better for old guys, you know, like, <laughs> we're, like we're not really that interested in going to bars and clubs and stuff like that. We're not, that's not the scene we're looking for. We just want to hang out. Anyone's way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Who are these old guys here? <laughs> Nobody's feels creepy because we're standing around like yeah. we did in Austin. Yeah, um, yeah. We were in our, well, I guess it was, we were in our thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say that we stick with cabins from now on. But one of the things you brought up was golf. Now I know people and I have buddies outside of our group who take really serious golf trips. They go to nice golf courses. They play great golf. 
and golf is the central theme of the trip. That is not what golfing is on our trip. Uh, nope. We find the worst course we can, so they'll let us act the way we want to. <laughs> Almost none of us really play. There's no good golf being played. It is a team versus team, best ball scramble format. The winner gets a weird little ceramic gnome and a framed poster of our hero, Bernie Kosar. And that's why it's the <laughs> Kosar Cup. I've been on the winning team so far both years. Chuck drilled about a 35-foot putt to win for us year one. Somehow Tursik and I, Tursik, who is a good golfer but doesn't play, and me, who is a bad golfer, but I play a lot so I can kind of get around a course. Somehow we ended up on the same team last year, and so we just kicked the crap out of you guys. It wasn't even close. We have to select the teams for this year's Kosar Cup. And so what we've done is we've taken the six names for the six guys who are going to be available for golf. And Danko, you have those names in a hat. And I think what we should do is uh, we'll just alternate teams. So you pull the first name, that's for team one. The second name will be for team two and vice versa until we've we've got our teams for the 2021 Kosar Cup. You ready to go? I am. And you can edit this part out, but if, if the team ends up you Tersic and Burke, do we redraw this? No. <laughs> okay. No. All right. No. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody can see. So I guess you can stack the team yeah. however you want. All right, here we go. Are we ready? Yes. Number one, You're writing this stuff down. No. Okay. First I'm recording name. it. The first name is, is uh, Danko. All right. <laughs> Danko. Did I, put my, did I put my name on all of them? <laughs> Second name. Other team is Gerber. How about All that? right. Head to head. I like it. Next name, which goes on my team, thank God, is Tersic. <laughs> all right. All right. So far, so good. We split you and Terse up. That's all right. Next. Ooh, this could be this could be a wild card in the mix here. On your team is Bonhard. Now, listen, today Bonhard confirmed that he'd be playing and he's bringing his own clubs. I know. It's shocking to me that he owns golf clubs. I'm secretly hoping that he's been playing for years and just not telling us about it. And he's awesome. But at very least it's Bonnard. So, you know, he's going to trot out there and be the third best player, at least out there. And then that's a good thing. Right. Behind. Yeah. He's the best yeah, yeah, athlete yeah. in the group. Yeah, for right, sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he's just going to do that. All right. Where are we here? So now we're back to your, your third player <laughs> is Burke. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that worked out? Yeah. Yeah, that is. And then Chucky is on your team. So uh, right. maybe, <laughs> <laughs> like i said we should whatever it lands is land we just go with it <laughs> redraw, yeah. redraw. So it's like, no so we've got uh team denko is denko tersic and burke team gerber is gerber bonhard and rambaldo yep i like it there are our kosar cup teams for this year and uh, we'll come back in whatever form, and I haven't fully decided what it's going to be, whatever form our episode will be next week, we will certainly provide an update on who, who won the Kosar Cup and what happened while we were out there. Denko, before we go, worst fantasy league ever update on your team, which is currently getting throttled by mine. I'm not mad, just disappointed. Which players? Currently, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson because he was my only hope of of eking back into this week's match before the game started. And I think he has just now moved into positive points for the game. All right. 
Yeah. At, at a, in the a right direction. Five. It <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> was negative for a while. So yeah, definitely disappointed in Lamar. I'm going to give mine to both of my running backs, Alvin Kamara and some guy that plays for Jacksonville. They were both terrible today. All right. Who's getting extra orange slices after the game, Denko? Uh, on my team this week, I guess I'll give it my highest scorers were on my bench, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know what? Hey, they really performed and perhaps yeah. they get the, the NFC extra, genius. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the extra orange slices should go to Mike Williams, a uh, wide receiver for the chargers, right? That is not in my starting lineup, but nice. will will be going forward. <laughs> I'm going to give my extra orange slices to Gronk. He had two touchdowns today. All right, Danko, go ahead and talk some shit. You play Miller next week. Oh, I play Miller. Um, I'll tell you what. I think I'm going to, I'm going to eke out a, a close win against Miller because I'm pretty sure he still hasn't looked at his team. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I'm playing Bonhard and Jason Bonhard. I want you to know, I don't think you're as tall as you used to be. You've shrunk <laughs> as you've gotten older. And I think my team can take advantage of that. I'm going to kick the crap out of you next week in fantasy. Um, but hopefully you play golf. Good at the end of this week's games. It looks like I'll be leading the champions division. I'm two and oh, Everybody in the chumps division looks like they'll be tied at one and one. So there's your worst fantasy league ever update. Denko real fast in a song named it's been a long time. Little Steve Van Zandt writing about lifelong band friendships says it's been a long time since we laughed together. It's been a long time since we cried, raise a glass for the comrades we've lost. My friend, it's been a long, long time. There's a great live version on Spotify with Springsteen, Little Steven, and Southside Johnny playing together seems to me like it's the perfect capstone to the playlist that you have dedicated the last several months of your life to. Add that one in, end that thing. <laughs> Thank you for all the effort you put into putting that together. I can't wait to listen to it, man. I think that sounds like a perfect song to put last. All right. Good deal. Danko, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And... We just did the entire episode without mentioning that Miller has urinated in public on every yearly trip he's been on. <laughs> With that update about our very own national treasure to ponder, I hope you have a great couple of days. I will see you on Wednesday, and we will do this again really, really soon, Phil. Sounds good. that say that improper tongue <clears throat> that <laughs> this is hilarious that it's it's like a tongue twister, <laughs> tongue twister? About yeah yeah tongue <laughs> position <clears throat> but this is supposed to be a texas team that they, or i'm sorry uh, <laughs> they took <clears throat> three wins three runs you minnesota they lost to the bengals I put down the teams that they lost to were the Bengals and the Vikings. That can't be right. <laughs> That's really, really shitty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, four or five years in the big 10. All right, Phil. Yeah. Still. <laughs> Thought that was that Phil. Well. Why don't what's that? <laughs> put that very well. <laughs> Thank you. I like it when you tell me I'm exactly right. That's right. Those are the words I like to hear. Right. Tammy's like that all the time. She said, I'm you sure. know what, Jason? You're exactly right. Again, exactly <laughs> right. <clears throat>
We saw the blue brewers. <clears throat> but I had, I had like three or four other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, I won't go through them all. Cause I had to add all these songs, but uh, <laughs> I, the, the, the last one, my lead in question was what is the better song for bird watching? <laughs> <laughs> something something by Enya? <laughs> no, no, no. I had uh, I had the bird is the word. I had, okay. I had I had three little birds by Bob Marley. I had Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. I had uh I'm like a bird by Nelly Furtado. I had Chasing yeah. Birds by the Foo Fighter and then Ghetto Bird by Ice Cube. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, excellent. man. man that, yeah. That's You really did some work figuring that out. Well, I thought for sure I'd be on a, a, on a podcast with Burke. I'm like, "Oh, this is what I'm doing." We're we're <laughs> Especially when he sent out that text about how are how are the birds in Hocking Hills? Yeah, <laughs> like you're in luck, buddy. <laughs> you guys have fun. <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of thing, exactly. You know? like, yeah, yeah. And and I'm kind of taking the same approach. Like if I get, I'm I'm feeling better than I did this morning. But you're gonna I'm be getting, fine. You're gonna be. Fine. I get worse this week. I'm gonna do the same thing. You know, like yeah, all right, I, yeah, like, whatever. This is yeah. not the time to mess around with this. Someone come pick up the box of T-shirts and have a good time. <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, that's not going to happen. You're, yeah, you're going to be fine. You're yeah. going to be fine. Keep pounding the tea and the fluids and I got man, <laughs> chew vitamin C like it's candy. And yeah. Right. I, I have all sorts of like the, the, the cold, like the, the coldies type stuff and the vitamin yeah. C and all these yeah. teas. I didn't buy any beer at the grocery, my grocery store run today, which is the first time in, yeah. I don't know, 21 yeah. years. Didn't like an alarm <laughs> go off. Yeah, your credit cards thought you it was were the cheapest grocery bill I ever had. I was like, "What the hell? How'd I get all this stuff yeah. for that little amount Isn't of money?" Isn't that funny? Isn't yeah. that funny? Like when you go to dinner and yeah. like uh, you don't order drinks, you just eat. And you, the yeah. bill comes back as like thirty bucks. But so wait a minute, uh, they're just giving <laughs> this stuff away. <laughs> the food is free, basically. Yeah. So yeah, normally because normal grocery run, right? I'm getting some some beers, maybe yeah. a couple of bottles of wine or whatever. Like, all right. Each, each thing I pick up that has alcohol in it is at least $10, yeah. you know, or yeah. more. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I replaced that with like four bottles of Gatorade today. I was like, all right, that'll yeah. work. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. All right. Well, let's do this. What do you mean? I'm funny. Funny like a clown. Here to amuse you?